Hello, everybody. Welcome to the Adequately Informed podcast for Monday, January 17th, 2022. My name's Joe Hicks. And mine's Evan Kelly. And Evan Kelly, what are we here to do today? Well, Joe, I believe that uh, if my star alignment reckoning is correct, we're going to have a conversation. We're going to talk about the news of the day or just whatever interests us and we're going to try to take information from all corners of this wide world and evaluate different opinions and facts in good faith, making sure that we're not just doing this to dunk on people, not just doing this to prop up our own egos, but actually trying to consider ideas and arguments. And hopefully along the way, we keep ourselves and our audience adequately informed. Yeah, you know, we realize we don't know everything. We aren't gods. I'm going to bump it up here. We aren't gods. Definitively stated, we are not gods. Yeah, we're we're, we're moving beyond. We're not on the ivory tower. We're not gods. (laughs) um, But we don't know everything. We recognize that um, viewpoints other than our own can have some validity to it. Um, you know, we're not, we try not to be zealots. That's, that's not a great thing to always be. <laughs> um, but yeah, we, we try to recognize that, you know, we're only human. We don't know everything. But before we start today, Evan, we, we kind of have an announcement, don't we? Yeah, we have a very, very special announcement. In a way, it's sad, but really, I think, um, as we'll explain, it's it's hopeful and optimistic. This will be the second to last episode of Adequately Informed. The, The journey of this project has been fantastic, and I have enjoyed every minute of it. But Joe and I's lives are in a different place than when we started doing this all the way back in 2019, over 80 episodes ago. And so we want to have sort of one more classic episode today where we discuss some topics and then at an undetermined date, hopefully in February, we will have sort of a a retrospective where we review the history of the show, what it's meant to us and what's next. So this will be the final regular episode of Adequately Informed with one more kind of wrap up to follow. Yeah. Now, who's to say maybe in a little bit of time, someday we come back, but that's not anything that's being considered right now. Um, I just want to, I don't know. I'm giving a piece of hope and then dashing it. What, who am I? I'm gaslighting <laughs> yeah, you know, right now. Um, no, nothing is, nothing's forever. You know, Joe and I were, were buddies years and years before either of us had ever heard a podcast, let alone created one. And we're going to be in each other's lives no matter what. So if that eventually takes the form of another creative project, I think that door is always open, adequately informed or otherwise. But the current project is reaching its natural conclusion. Yep. And it's not that anything's wrong. We're, we've just, uh, like Evan said, we're in different times in our lives. Um, we'll probably, we'll go over this in more detail in the final episode. But um, the fact that we don't have a time nailed down for the final episode kind of speaks to part of why <laughs> this is ending. Because we, we just have... A lot of other different types of commitments now. 
Um, but everything very, very uh, amicable. Like I said, a little sad, a little bittersweet, but nothing, no, no animosity here. Yeah, we love y'all. We're uh, glad to have you all listening. I'm going to miss you guys um, getting our takes out here. But um, <laughs> you know what? Let's let's start doing some takes, man. Oh, boy. That's what I was looking forward to. Evan, Evan, you got some takes. What are we going to talk yeah. about first? Yeah, I got some takes about schools. Something very near and dear to me is very contentious, school... too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. No kidding. Um, it's the school closure debate, um, you know. In the early wave of the pandemic, a bunch of schools went virtual, and now Omicron is smashing through the country, and some districts are starting to go virtual again. Some people are pushing school districts that aren't virtual to go virtual, and then there is a whole class of people who believe that going virtual and closing the schools again would be a catastrophic decision on par with um the invasion of iraq that was a take that's out there um and you know you gotta make your takes as inflammatory as possible to be taken (laughs) seriously you know Are, are you familiar with what i'm talking about um i feel like i saw i vaguely saw that take I don't, I don't. That was a Nate Silver tweet. That was not just some guy. That that was Nate. Well, really? I guess Nate Silver is also just some guy. But yeah. Yeah, yeah. He's a little bit higher up the just some guy chain. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, um, yeah. the The idea is basically if there is going to be a an extremely contagious, deadly viral disease that is spread through close contact, a huge amount of human contact occurs within schools. And so by closing the schools, you can prevent the spread. But Joe, why, why is there such opposition to this? Why don't people want to close the schools? So school is this fantastically valuable thing that our society does it has so much value now there are many facets to that value some people try to pick up on other ones uh more than others but um teaching kids relevant information skills and knowledge is valuable to our society and it's good when they learn things and and yeah, go. it's important to interject here that they're closing the schools means doing virtual school. But I think we all at this point have realized that taking learning to an online space for certain, children of a certain age, like elementary age, really is not an adequate substitute for most children, children that are already you know, maybe tech savvy or have parents who have good Wi-Fi and are, you know, on them to do their work will probably continue to learn at a relatively consistent rate. If any of those conditions are not met, as is true for many students, especially many students in, say, an urban public school where I work, those conditions will not be met. And even though there will be quote unquote school, there will be inevitably learning loss. Yeah. So, So this is the whole crux of the whole debate is that we have learned that at least in like K through 12 education, that widespread remote learning is just kind of abysmal. At least 
in the kind of way, you know, I'm sure there's some way where it could work if it's, you know, everything is intentionally set up to be done this way and all those caveats are taken care of. Exactly. But we haven't we haven't built that yet. We're still just kind of punting. (laughs) Yeah. And, you know, like even when you were in college, you took if you took an online class or take one, I guess we can be uh, use the present tense because it still happens. Um, But we're out of college. We're out of college. So college college. is done. Um, (laughs) But. You know, in, you know, uh, college class, you know, it's not just a slapdash version of the in-person class retrofitted to be used on computers. A lot of times those online classes were specifically curated and produced to be an online class. Mm -hmm. Um, But so what we've learned in the K through 12 space, there has been research on this that doing remote learning during the pandemic has lead to learning numbers that actually almost equates to negative schooling. Like Mm -hmm. where they've taken kids who, you know, didn't have school for a while, kids who were learning in person and kids who were doing remote learning. The kids who were in school had... Um, you know, at least during the pandemic, they were still learning while at somewhat a diminished level. Um, kids who received no schooling retained more information about what they had learned than kids who were doing remote learning, Mm. which is wild. Like, and I think, you know, remote learning, it's just, again, I think it's just has to do with how turbulent it is like you know it 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 doesn't hold your attention the same way we all have blase attitudes towards our technology and all that (laughs) kind of stuff but then also when you have a school district and it's like the night before the day of school you decide that you're going to go to remote no learning no can like quality learning is going to happen in that environment Mm -hmm. and 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 as we're seeing the learning loss that we're getting from um the pandemic and a lot of this remote learning is there are a lot of kids who are very far behind um where they would be absent the pandemic now we can't do a counterfactual where there is no pandemic and the pandemic would have likely you know even if we had had better policies from the get-go it's unlikely that the learning you know there were it's unlikely that we wouldn't have suffered some learning loss but the continuation of doing large amounts of remote work seems to be increasing that disparity in the differences of what kids would be learning and what they are currently. There you go. So that's a good encapsulation of at least the mainstream ideas about the educational loss side of this debate. I'm going to introduce my own wrinkle to this that frustrates that just a little bit, but it's that, that that is the general idea. The other side of this coin is the fact that, oh yeah, COVID, it's killed, you know, how many hundred thousands, how many hundreds of thousands of people in this country, and 
we're going to say to teachers, well, <laughs> good luck, especially around children who until recently couldn't be vaccinated and now very frequently are not vaccinated owing to the own eccentricities or even just means of their parents. You know, we're dealing with kids. I promise you guys, most kids don't give a fuck about wearing their masks. They don't want to. They're going to fight you. And so you end up getting a lot of, a lot, a lot of kids who are not vaccinated and are not even properly masked. And so the teachers are kind of ending up as fodder to try to keep this educational system going. Now, there's a lot of positive aspects about the Omicron variant that were not true when we closed the schools in the first place. Number one, it seems like this, well, actually, number one is that there is a vaccine now, right? So yeah. I was fully vaccinated and boosted. A lot of the teachers at the school where I work have done the same because, duh. <laughs> and, you know, we can wear masks. I've upgraded to a KN95 mask myself. There are so many better precautions that can be taken now that the vaccines have gained widespread availability, at least, you know, for relatively, you know, for people of a teacher class in the United States. Mm-hmm. And then the other thing, too, is that it seems like Omicron is not wreaking the same level of destruction on a per person basis, right? It's not as fatal. Symptoms aren't as severe. There's still very real issues about hospital capacity and just the widespread nature of the virus that it would be really nice to just kind of try to pump the brakes and slow the spread of the virus so that we avoid those types of concerns. But on an individual level, getting Omicron is less likely to kill you by pretty significant margin than previous iterations of this virus. And so it seems as though we have reached a, a, almost a conflict of values between educational quality, which is kind of the foundation of our society, right? Yeah. We need people to have learned things and learned them effectively from a young age so that all of the pieces and moving parts of our world work. But yeah. then also, we don't want to be put in a position where we are absorbing huge short-term casualties to make that happen. And so here's the extra piece that I want to introduce that I think tips the scales at least partially in my eyes. I think what is kind of ignored on the side of people who want to keep the schools open is the fact that educational quality is only possible in person if there are people who are willing to stick around and work with the students and teach the kids there. And if people feel like their job is too stressful and that they will not be safe at work, that they won't be valued at work, they will quit and leave. The school that I work didn't really have any sort of mass resignations or people quitting in the middle of the school year during the year that or you know the, the the year where it was mostly done virtually but this year we are in this 
great resignation as some people are calling it and schools are taking it really hard we've had just off the top of my head i think six or seven people quit mid-year at the school that i work at yeah yeah and then there are uh it's it's tough to fill those we've only filled two positions so far and we also have at least oh gosh yes seven at least seven people have quit um that i can think of their names right now so we have just these massive amounts of open positions on a regular basis we're running at understaffed so pretty much every single adult in the building is doing at least parts of two if not three jobs and that it creates a vicious cycle right you're burned out at work and so you you're not happy and then you it gets to a point where it's so bad that you quit and then someone else has to take your responsibilities because they can't find someone who's willing to take the job which increases that person's burnout which makes them more likely to quit and it got so bad to and that's that's just when when everyone's healthy now take in a situation where we so far since we've come back from christmas break have not had a single day at that school where we have not had multiple classroom teachers out either with covid themselves or being quarantined as a close contact of someone in their family who has had covid so we're reaching a point where there's and, and subs aren't picking up jobs either by and large so we're, we're mm-hmm. reaching a point where the classes don't have a teacher there's no adult in the building that can cover the class and so the solution is to take those kids and just send them out two or three at a time to sit in a different classroom for the entire day yeah now those kids i promise you are not learning any more than they would be if they were at home online and in the meantime you are increasing the burnout of your staff and you are risking just hobbling the force of people who are willing to work in education for the immediate future so this is what my school has done and i think it's a good strategy We are trying to make sure that we are preserving in-person instruction as much as possible, but they've decided that sending kids, scattering them across the whole school is just farcical at this point. So while the whole school has no plans to go virtual, the current strategy is that if a classroom teacher tests positive or needs to quarantine, individual classes will transition to remote learning. And this, I think, is perhaps the most fair solution. Because from my vantage point, I'm not wild about still being in person at a school and being more exposed to COVID than I otherwise would be. But like I said, I'm vaccinated. I always wear my mask. And I think I'm doing a pretty good job of protecting myself. And when we don't have to try to play catch up in terms of basic classroom coverage, we at least feel like we can do the jobs that we're there to do. Mm-hmm. And it doesn't make you feel like pulling your hair out. And yeah, it's it's not ideal for those kids in those classes who miss out on in-person instruction. But 
if there's no adult there, you can't <laughs> just pretend like it's fine. Yeah. So that's my thought. I think that um, the impact on education from staying open is not fully addressed, maybe by certain members of the pundit class. And I think that there is also this kind of hybrid way with targeted virtual classrooms that tries to uphold the competing ideals better than either extremist side on its own. Yeah. Well, and I, I also, you know, you're in Indiana right now, which has, as a state, has been pretty geared towards, you know, at least as my understanding, not doing as many mitigations as other states have, kind of in general. Yeah. We've had a mask mandate in the schools the entire time, but it's pretty much gloves off for any sort of private business. Yeah. Um, but, you know, there are some, it, you know, education is this wonderful thing where um, there are thousands of separate entities that practice their own educational policy across the United States. And... Most of the time, like 95% of them are like on the straight and narrow and like just trying to do their best and not doing anything too wacky and, you know, uphold their values. But then there are like some high profile ones that just get it wrong or do something <laughs> weird or there's some weird teacher, um, you know, said something or some administrator says, you know, we need to you know, uh, force little white kids to do reparations. And it's like, what? And I'm like, this is weird. <laughs> but, but yeah, it's just like in the school debate, it really just, you know, the, the thing it, it really should be is trying to focus on making sure you can have do in person as much as you can, but then, you know, occasionally you still have to do things. And I like that targeted because like, you know, it, it is tough. And then, you know, we don't, we're not even discussing this here, but like, um, you know, school also performs a very useful service, which is childcare um, for mm -hmm. adults or childcare for kids. But I mean, it's, it's beneficial to the adults because, you know, they need to go have things in their lives that they need to do. So when you have these shutdowns, it throws a whole monkey wrench into that. And, you know, I can't help but wonder, you know, wh why there aren't as many people applying for jobs out there is because the irregularity of school. I mean, let's say, you know, you have a lower income, you know, single mother of, I don't know, let's say two. And whereas in normal times with school and, you know, regular childcare arrangements, she would do like, I don't know, maybe two part-time jobs or one full-time and a part-time job to make things work. Now she's just doing the full-time job or just the part-time job because, you know, you can't take on that additional maxing out of workable hours when, you know, occasionally you just have to drop everything to take care of your kids for a day. Um, so it's just, it's tough. And my hope is, you know, with this variant Omicron, like Evan said before, it's, it's not as deadly and it's like an org, 
it, it's almost like an order of magnitude less deadly. Like we're seeing a massive, massive spike in cases and in our country and the death numbers are hardly changed. Um, yeah. And again, that's not the deaths I, I feel like should not be the only dimension of this that matters but it does get the headlines and the fact that it is less deadly is a good thing yeah yeah i mean i tend to believe that 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 deaths are the big thing that matters i mean i know there's also long covid and all those issues um Mm -hmm. but but anyway um and it also just seems like um, from what I've understand about this variant is that basically any country that gets it kind of no matter what your COVID policies were, it's just been ripping through. Um, it's just that much more contagious. But it looks like we may be get at the top of the spike as far as the variant goes on the nationwide level. Um, You know, it's starting to flatten out a little bit on the top. It's no longer in the exponential increase. (laughs) Um, So it may be that we're just going to do a few more weeks of this being really tough and it comes down. But yeah, it's it's a tough go. Yeah. And so I'm sympathetic to the desire to keep schools open. I I wouldn't work in a public school if I didn't believe that it was valuable work. I just think that some people, Nate Silver, Matt Iglesias, others, are are not fully weighing the cost to keeping schools open without considering the full context. That's my take. Very level-headed take, Evan. We need we Thanks. need fire takes. We need we need brimstone. I think that Matt Iglesias is the Antichrist. Yeah, he'd probably agree with you. Yeah, he, but he, he, would, he would probably he'd point be doing to it an, as a bit. He would probably point to an article that he wrote like two years ago that says I am the Antichrist, and he was like, <laughs> "This was out here in plain sight the whole time, guys." Like. <laughs> you, you, you didn't figure anything out I told you two years it, ago Yeah. It, it, <laughs> was there any question that I was ever not the Antichrist like <laughs> uh, so that's school so, closures yeah there's school closures so Joe Evan what do you want to talk about Yeah, so there was this um, interesting docu-series that came out on YouTube. Um, It's called, uh, it's with Will Smith and it's called The Best Shape of My Life. And the crux of the show is that uh, Will Smith put on a little weight in order to um, play a role in a movie. Uh, it was what movie was that? Evan is the. Uh, it was King Richard, right? Yeah, the the yeah. one about uh, Venus and the father Serena Williams. of Venus and Serena yeah, Williams. Yeah, yep. yeah, yeah. So put on a little weight for that, and he doesn't like that, and he sets out with the goal to lose twenty pounds in twenty weeks, 
and, and also, also finish his memoir. Yeah, and also finish his memoir. <laughs> um, <laughs> so this show was so interesting because I'm currently on a weight loss journey right now. And in the past six months, I've lost about six or no, a, a little over 80 pounds. And I watch this and I see Will Smith struggling so hard and going about it just all the wrong way. <laughs> and, you know, it, the show, if anything, is a crazy window into the machinations of this guy's mind. You know, the people who are the greats out there, they have some weird tick about them that just makes them have to be the way that they are. And you like this, this series kind of, and you know, learning more about Will Smith reminded me a lot of, uh, the last dance, you know, peering into Michael Jordan's, you know, mm. individual philosophy and how he thinks and how he was just so competitive that he had to be the best basketball player in the world. He couldn't exist in other, you know, if he wasn't, or at least in the contention. And, mm -hmm. you know, so then Will Smith is like this other person where he's just relentlessly demolishing goals left and right and you know doing things and so of course what does he task this 20 week period losing 20 pounds which you know at least from my understanding of weight loss isn't really too bad but you know the way he went about it was you know the hardest thing possible do that get into the best shape of his life, which he's been a fit dude for a long time. So mm -hmm. um, best shape, that's a, that's a pretty high bar, um, you know, to get into the best shape of his life. And then also writing a memoir through the lens of his emotions. Mm -hmm. Like, and the dude puts so much weight on himself. And it just kind of ends up failing at some point, <laughs> which is interesting. He end up saying no at one point or at least a few points and just showing how, you know, we put all this pressure on ourselves. But Evan, do you have any thoughts, any contributions? I, I'm, I feel like I'm just kind of monologuing, but it, it was a very interesting series. Yeah. So I think it's interesting that you categorize it as a failure because to be sure he does eventually abandon his weight loss goal he does not reach the goal of losing 20 pounds in 20 weeks but what i think is interesting is that there is almost this this success that he finds ironically in giving up that journey because he yeah. finishes his memoir which has been completed and is available for purchase. I'm not shilling it unless he gives me money. Um, <laughs> I, I haven't read it. I can't tell you if it's good or not. But in writing the book, he also sort of gets to work through some of the issues that he had with his father and then who, who has since passed. 
and also talk through painful parts of his past with the people in his life who are still around, such as his mother and notably his children. And so even though he doesn't lose the weight that he set out to lose throughout this journey, he does make, I think, some pretty good strides in his emotional health. And so I wonder if maybe maybe it's wrong to categorize it as a failure and even if he's not the best he's ever been physically i wonder if maybe he didn't achieve his goal of becoming in the best shape of his life yeah well i mean i i this is another thing that i wanted to like just kind of scream out at him like he at least in the weight loss section you know he achieved like 75% of what he wanted to do. Mm-hmm. But he also pushed himself so unbelievably hard in and just showing that like doing exercise, you know, if you're going and doing, you know, two workouts before lunch and walking 30,000 steps in a day and all that kind of stuff doesn't mean you're going to lose weight at a more rapid you know, clip. So yeah, go ahead. Make it explicit, Joe. What are all the things that Will Smith does that are dumb from a weight loss perspective? So I don't know exactly what his diet was on this. They said he was at a calorie deficit, but you know, he, um, he doesn't, they don't go into exact composition. I mean, at one point a nutritionist comes in and tries to introduce him to some foo-foo health foods <laughs> and does he will just does not. <laughs> yeah, he says it tastes really bad. Yeah. Yeah, he is just not about it. But the big thing is is that he's trying you know, when he was doing this, he was trying to do the simultaneous goals of like create a fitter body while also losing weight now when you do those things you can do those together but he was doing a massive amount of exercise like an unreasonable amount of exercise like from what he was showing like maybe four to five hours of exercise a day and once you go past a certain point in exercise, at least for weight loss, doing more is actually harmful because the if you do long amounts of exercise, your body ends up releasing um, cortisol, the stress hormone, and cortisol increases insulin. And insulin is the essentially the hormone in your body that makes you gain weight. Um, If insulin is present, then you gain weight. So by going out and burning out his body every single day, and then also I'm presuming not getting enough sleep because he was waking up at like four in the morning to go for runs. Like he is just burning out his body to the maximum. And it's not your body doesn't just release the the fat stores if you do that. It actually ends up clinging to it way more than it otherwise would have. Because it says we are in crisis. Yeah, we we're, need we're, we need our reserves. Yeah, we're we're not we're not we're we're 
So so he's working out crazily. He's restricting his food. He was probably ravenous the whole time. And he's putting this massive psychological stress on him. Whereas, so if you're just stressed in general, then you're going to have a harder time losing weight. Um, again, because of, you know, the, the, the stress hormone. So like he pushed himself so hard that, you know, I, I call this, you know, the, the biggest loser method of weight loss, which has just kind of been thoroughly debunked as a sustainable weight loss method. But I thought it was so interesting because like in the, he, at one point as like an aside, between takes says that actually before they started he did a fast and lost like six pounds in a week Mm -hmm. and i am actually pretty supportive of fasting um it's it's uh it's pretty healthy it's good you know it's actually good for you as long as you're able to make sure you have the right nutrients in you um but it's, Notably, though, his trainer who was supervising was not in favor of fasting. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Well, but, you know, I've learned that, you know, there it's different worlds. Like me coming from the weight loss world, you're working with a different set of objectives and motivators than someone who's like a peak optimal fitness dude. Now, fasting may not, you know, and fasting combined with the goal of trying to um you know have a um crazy physique and you know lofty fitness goals that may not be compatible with that but it's very compatible with weight loss and you know if you do it correctly i mean i fast every day i only have one meal a day these days and um I'm perfectly fine. I have great energy. I have so much more energy to do things than I ever did eating two or three meals a day um, and bad meals at that. But it it was just crazy to me that like Will Smith (laughs) did this thing that worked and then psyched himself up to do 20 weeks of the thing that is the slowest hard bore slog (laughs) of a weight loss method. And he pushed himself so hard to get so relatively few results in it. And it was just so disheartening. But it was also kind of like, man, if Will Smith can't lose weight doing that method, a guy whose mind is pushing him to incredible lengths, if he can't do it, then then how's just some some just some guy? Will Smith is not just some guy. <laughs> He 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 transcends the just some guy, you know, categorization. And, you know, it's just it was so it was just crazy to see. And his trainer was not sympathetic to like anything whatsoever. Mm -hmm. Like like Will had to take like a mental health day or something because, you know, all the pressure of everything. And the trainer's like, oh, it's unfortunate when you miss a day. You really want to get out there. Like he didn't give a shit about Will's <laughs> mental health or being or even the concept that maybe you don't have to work out for five, four to five hours every day in order to make. <laughs> yeah. Oh, it's yeah. just crazy. 
is it was just wild to to see but i liked it as kind of a peering into the whole world of weight loss and then also just will smith is just endlessly charismatic Oh yeah, and he's he's always on too, right? Like he I'm actually kind of scared about that for him. Like it seems like he always wants the camera on him and as long as the camera's on him, he's going to perform. Like that's got to that's got to burn you out. Well, yeah, there I mean there was an emotional bit towards the end where he was like, you know, there I was going through some stuff and I had, you know, this little bit of time that I decided it was going to be me time. And during that time, someone approached him and wanted to get, you know, like a video with Will Smith and Will, you know, being the entertainer wants to do it. But then also for himself was like, I I can't put it on right now. And you know what? I feel like that's fair. Yeah, I feel like we have an unrealistic expectation that celebrities owe us their time whenever we happen to see them. Right. Like. You know, if you want to ask respectfully, you have to be okay to get the answer of no. Yeah. Just because Will Smith was on TV doesn't mean that he wants to take a picture with you or that he has to take a picture with you. Like, even if you've got some sob story, like, they're private citizens. I think that the the documentary Amy about Amy Winehouse really kind of changed the way that I think about the vulnerability of celebrity, right? Because a lot of the time, you know, celebrities, they're very rich and they can kind of afford to insulate themselves from a lot of the bullshit, but sometimes they can't and it can kill them as it did with Amy Winehouse to be sort of constantly subjected to public scrutiny and ridicule. So I feel like that's a story that some might look down on Will Smith for not wanting to take a video with this random guy at the gym, but I totally support him telling that guy to fuck off. Yeah. I mean, yeah, it's just like, and Will Smith is such a larger than life person. And I'm sure that guy who wanted the video was like, Oh my gosh, this is the craziest thing ever. I'm never going to have this opportunity. This guy I look up to, you know, or find funny, but then again, at the end of the day, Will Smith's, still a dude um you know who has a life you know funny enough just today um i think it was cardi b tweeted it was like you know i wouldn't have thought this guys but being famous is really boring because (laughs) because you can't once you're like famous you can't go out and be a normal person um, mm-hmm. or, you know, once you reach a level of fame that a Will Smith or a Cardi B has, you know, like my, under, you know, like my understanding of Cardi B, like, I think she probably had a pretty wild life before, um, mm-hmm. you know, she was really famous and, you know, that's part of what catapulted her forward. But then also like once you become like too famous, then everywhere you go, it's only people trying to come and be a part of you. You can't just go be part of society and do those things anymore. So, mm-hmm. um, you know, it's like, how do you balance like, you know, your your whole, you know, being famous, your business is you. But sometimes you want to be the not that version of you. You you want to be the the just just some just some guy version of you 
Yeah, right. If if you want to go to Kroger and buy bread, you don't want to also have to be entertaining someone else. Yeah. If you want to go see a movie, you're there to see a movie, not to be the show. Right. So for sure, for sure sympathetic to that, even though they're all rich pricks. Yeah. I remember there was this kind of, there was this video I saw that felt a little tragic. It was like, um, Michael Jackson had never got to go to a grocery store before. Uh, Yep. I know this story. Yeah. And so they got somebody who had a grocery store and they like closed it down and they like filled it up with people who were just like knew that Michael was there, but they were supposed to just be there shopping and Mm -hmm. you know it's supposed to be like an experience for him to go and experience just shopping at a store but like this video he's like still doing a bit like there's a camera there like it isn't just for michael it's you know it's a bit and he's like still performing and i'm Mm -hmm. like oh my gosh this this guide can't turn it off. I mean, who knows if it was ever set up to be an actual genuine thing for him to do. But but also, like, he's so far removed. Like, he's not going to go to the store and then end up, you know, like I always do at the olive oil section. I'm like, I need some <laughs> olive oil. Uh, I want to get some good quality stuff, but I don't want to spend a ton of money. Uh, I guess I go through a lot of it. I could get the big bottle, but I don't really want to spend $24 right now. Uh, but that'll last a couple months. You know, he's not doing anything. He, you know, he doesn't know any of that. He, he has no machinations at the, the, at the grocery store. He's not taking it home to his little home kitchen where he's going to meal plan and prepare his own meals. He's not going to the deli counter. It's like, well, I got the honey ham last time and that was all right. But I think I want something a little more savory this time. I'll go with the pit ham this time. You know, he doesn't make it to the normal cheese section and then realize, oh, shit, ricotta is over at the deli. And then you got to make <laughs> another trip back to the deli. That happened to me today. <laughs> oh, it's at the fancy cheese section. Yeah, so yeah, um, and you know, I that's okay. I'm happy with that experience. I wouldn't, I wouldn't trade that for fame. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so it's yeah, it was weird. Yeah, like you said, how how on Will Smith can be if he chooses to be. Yeah, it's and almost like take a be. break, buddy. Just. Well, yeah, just like fucking do the workout. You don't have to. Yeah, do like a he's bit. doing the workout. Yeah, and he's trying to do bits the whole time. Yeah, and, <laughs> and it's like, okay, man, like, yeah, you ever have a time when you're not doing bits? I mean, I guess the camera's no. not on, but when you're but not you, doing, but you get the sense he's still doing bits. Then though, right? Like, yeah. you, in a way, that it is almost a very revealing documentary in that it reveals how performative his nature is, you know? Like, I feel like if someone in my life was that performative, I'd be like, I, I, I don't know if I would want to hang out around them. Like, <laughs> you know, even if, you know, in small doses, it's great. It's like, all right, man, like, can, can we're we... Not, can we're we, not doing a nightcap together. Yeah, can can you pull back the curtain for a second? Like, you know, I, I want to get a glimpse, not the, you know, I don't want the facade at all times Mm -hmm. so but like will smith was saying um 
it's almost as if that facade became real because being the entertainer in his family was how he tried to mitigate his father's anger, right? He he thought that if Daddy O was laughing, then at least no one would be getting hit. Right. So, you know, there's something something very deeply sad about that origin story that we got. Yeah. Well, I mean, I swear that so many people like that, there's like some trauma in the beginning that calcifies some part of their personality and then just runs with it. Mm-hmm. Um, so, ah, peek in the, in, into the machination. I've used the word machinations a lot today. A peek into the <laughs> mind of, of uh, Will Smith. Um, you know, see that he is human indeed. Um, yeah, it's just, I, I, I recommend it. It's also a quick watch. It's like six 20 minute episodes. So, um, if you're looking for a short little thing, then it's there and it's free on YouTube. So, but, uh, Evan, you got anything else you want to say? No, I think, I think that is what it is. Yeah. Alrighty. Well, I think that wraps up this episode, the second to last episode of Adequately Informed. Um, We'd like to thank you all for listening. Um, For the last episode, um, you know, we're going to try and do something special, a nice retrospective or something. Um, This is definitely a time if you uh, have anything you want us to discuss, any questions, opinions, anything um send it to us in some way and we'll talk about it um yeah, as one not final the email hurrah. anymore right yeah yeah the email's gone i uh, the email's gone um <laughs> but I you know it. us just let us know <laughs> yeah yeah you you all know us the, this isn't you know, we we never blew up so we're we're, <laughs> we're a cottage community here so um yeah thanks for listening thanks anthony hitch for music but anyway my name's joe hicks And mine's Evan Kelly. And we hope that you've been adequately informed.